Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm K.G. Klein. And this is Double Take. Let's talk about the year 2023, since it's behind us. It is. Well, first of all, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for staying with us for the last year. And so we're going to wrap up the year. That is, we're going to look at the movies that we saw over the year, which are plentiful, and uh, make some just make some comments on it and maybe do some predicting on our own, More, mostly about the Oscars. Well, okay, this is the first year in 10 years that I think the best movie of the year was an animated movie. <laughs> I thought that in 2013 with Frozen, and now it's 2023, and I think the best movie of this year was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> and I went and looked at it at your recommendation, and you're right. It's a very good film. That, for me, it wasn't the best film of the year, but it, is, it ranks up there, so you are right. Yeah. So what, what was your favorite film of the year? What do you think was this year's best film? You know, I like this year because I'm having difficulty. There's no big one out there I'm saying, you know, nobody will ever beat that. There's two ways of looking at this. What do you think will win the Oscar, and which one did you like the best? Yes. I will tell you which one I like the overall best, I appreciated the most, was The Killers of the Flower Moon. An excellent film, and certainly going to be an Oscar nominee. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of nominations coming out of that I know, movie. I know. Two that are possibilities. Barbie, I think there's a lot of reason why. And I would agree with that. I, yeah. If I guess at this point which film is going to win Best Picture, I would go with Barbie. But it's very possible that Oppenheimer will get it. Oppenheimer is the runner-up. It's going to come down to the wire, but one of those two films will probably take home the yeah, Oscar. Right. And what is it about Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer is a wonderful biopic. Biopics have a tendency to do very well at the Oscars. He's a complicated character. The movie is very cleverly filmed. I mean, you wouldn't think that a uh, nuclear engineer would become a very, very interesting figure in a motion picture. But the way that the film is paced, the way the film is, is made, and the acting, of course, just really carries that film and makes it fascinating for all 13 or 14 hours that it lasts. Or anyway, three hours. I have some others in that, that that interest me. For instance, The Holdovers was a really good film. The Holdovers is going to probably get nominated as well. Yeah. It was yeah. a, a good comedy, well done, nice script, a feel-good movie. Yeah. Now, there's, there's two movies I want to reflect upon this year that kind of got overlooked that I thought were absolutely outstanding films, and most of the audience out there probably did not see them. The first one is a film called The Starling Girl. Now, The Starling Girl... You, it didn't play... Ken, I don't know where you picked this out. Where did you find this <laughs> Well, thing? The Starling Girl was a Bleecker Street release, and it got distributed in the United States. It just played only at the Gateway here in Columbus, as is often the case with art films. Played only for two weeks, yeah. so yeah. I don't think a lot of people, unless you went to the Gateway, you got to see it. This was a first-time director, Laurel Paget, and it's a fascinating story that really breaks convention because it's a 17-year-old girl living in a very restrictive Christian community in Kentucky who starts breaking free. And you think 20 minutes in this movie, oh, it's going to be the, the standard, oh, she breaks out and she finds herself and she becomes a wonderful person. Oh, no, no, this, this is a typical of a first-time director. She breaks all the rules. As this girl 
starts first an ill-advised affair with the youth minister, the son of the main minister, who is rendezvousing with her out on the street in the backseat of his car down from her house, she becomes slowly a juvenile delinquent. So neither she nor the religious community are portrayed as particularly sympathetic, but they get it right. It's a very truthful and honest portrayal of a flawed person and a flawed community. One film that I, I found fascinating, which I know you did even before me, was Poor Things. Poor Things is a wonderful film. Uh, and uh, I, I, I know that it's not, we'll be lucky if it's nominated for the Oscar, and it should be, but it'll never win because it's way too exotic, too lascivious, too randy. It's, uh, too, too well, it's first, it's a miracle it didn't get an NC-17. <laughs> Um, and it's definitely not for all tastes, which is going to hurt it. But Emma Stone's performance in that is just, yeah. it's brave. That's the first word I would use. Yep. And it's amazing. And I think there's a good chance that she might get a strong nomination for Best Actor. She may be the one that's going to be fighting hardest against uh, Lily Gladstone for that. Lily Gladstone does qualify for lead. No, she's, she's going to be Best Actress lead. nominee. It yeah. just, when you put her up against Emma Stone, it just doesn't go for me. That is, Emma Stone has required so many different talents. Well, Lily Gladstone's performance is very subtle, uh, but it carries the film. She's the emotional and uh, moral compass of that movie. Yeah. Stones, I don't think De Niro would be happy for you to say that. <laughs> well, De Niro, I, I would love to tell him about the flaws of that movie. But All right. Another film that I do want to talk about, though, that I think was very overlooked is Theater Camp. And for all of you out there who have ever been involved with children's theater or have ever studied theater or have ever performed in Columbus, and I probably know some of you, this is a wonderful film. This is the equivalent of Spinal Tap or A Mighty Wind. If you loved Spinal Tap, you're going to love this movie. It's It was filmed at Camp Warwick in New York, which was a summer theater camp and summer performing arts camp. And this is the camp where Debbie Friedman wrote a lot of her music for the Reformed Jewish movement. Care. It's not that great a film, <laughs> but I do appreciate your... Because I'm surprised you didn't mention... Are You There, God? Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is the third film that I think was a sleeper this year. Finally, finally we have a movie that does justice to a Judy Bloom book. (laughs) There's been other Judy Bloom movies, but they've typically been ABC after-school specials. And this film is wonderfully acted, this faithful to the book, and a standout performance by Kathy Bates as uh, Margaret's overbearing grandmother with a heart of gold. Well, I'll tell you the one that, that cracked me up that it, nobody talks about, but I found overwhelmingly funny, is about two gay girls. Bottoms. Oh, yes. <laughs> seniors in high school. It is an unashamedly over-the-top <laughs> comedy about these two lesbian high school girls who form a fight club in order to attract the attention of the hot girls. And I love how this movie does not make the LGBTQ angle, the focus of it, so much as just getting the person you're, you're interested in, getting their attention. Yeah, I think for bridging that gap, yeah. where a lot of 
conservative people will say, what? We are seeing lesbians? A, yeah, we're seeing a trend right now in LGBTQ cinema where the idea of them being gay is not the focal point of the movie, <laughs> but rather just one more issue of the film. <laughs> Ken, I can see we just drifted right into the ones that nobody's going to see, but that we appreciate. I love the fact we don't care about the mainstream. We want, we want you to know <laughs> about the movies that we really like that none of you have seen. Two others that I don't think you saw that I I really like that sure. you can sit day years before the end. Chevalier. Didn't get a chance to see it, okay. but it was a costume drama. Yeah. Yes. And the, the next one is The Lost King. I did see The Lost King. All right. And I yeah. think that that was this little, you know, what they call a little jewel. I thought it was... Released early in the year. Yeah. Didn't get terrific attendance. Didn't play too well at the theaters. All but right. yeah, Ken. really. Actor of the year. And that is a tough one to call, but I am going to go with Oppenheimer. Okay, with... Uh, um, Killian. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with. And Oppenheimer. I'm going to go with Bradley Cooper. Okay, and I can Maestro. see that. All right. I think it's going to come down and to one people, of those two. So we have Killian Murphy and Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is our two nominees for Best Actor. Yes. And I would have agreed with you until I saw Cooper, and then I thought Cooper just did flip it. a coin on that oh, one. Cooper, did, Cooper will be hindered by the fact that Maestro was not one of the best films of the year. And Oppenheimer certainly is going to be picking up a lot of awards. So we'll see whether Oppenheimer carries a, a wave of uh, awards or if it ends up going to Bradley. All right. Then let's give the distaff side their due. And who's the best actress? For I'm going to go year? with Lily Gladstone. Yeah. All right. So Lily Gladstone. And I've got her checked here as well. And the only other one that I think is going to give her problems will be Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah. yeah. That film is too odd for most of our friends. Let's look at best director. Okay. My problem with this category is that the best director should go with the best film and it rarely does. It rarely does. And what it rarely is that does. all about? It's because they're acknowledging a director often for more than just that one film. They're looking at their body of work. They're saying oh my gosh, you've done some of these wonderful, wonderful films and you've never gotten the Best Director Oscar. It's time to, to play catch-up. Yeah, so that means that this year Martin Scorsese probably is not going to be, not going to get it. He's going to be in the, the nomination in list, there, absolutely. I doubt, I, I doubt he will pick it up for Killers of the Flower Moon. Now what about Yorgos Lanthimos? I hope he gets nominated. I'm not sure that he will. <laughs> He's poor things again. Yeah, poor things. I, I would love to see it's him like pick up a nomination child. for this that. Yeah. Now I think I think poor things has got a real good chance of picking up costumes, picking up art direction, <laughs> yeah. picking up cinematography. Yes, right. It's gonna be up against Barbie for a lot of those well, awards. Uh, Greta Gerwig could get it for yeah. Barbie. I think it's gonna come down to Greta Gerwig versus Christopher Nolan. Okay. I think right. those are your two front runners this year, yeah. with Scorsese possibly being the spoiler. Boy, it would be wonderful to see Greta Gerwig get it. It would be absolutely wonderful. Um, it really would, because she was involved in the writing of that film. She was involved in the creation of that film. And I would love to see her pick up that award. And it's such a wildly imaginative film. And it's such a provocative and compelling film. Yes, 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 yes. Let's yeah. go with Best Actress. This is a really weak category, unfortunately, this year. All right. We already talked about Emma Stone. Emma Stone, who, the, well, I'm a best supporting actress. I'm oh, sorry. Supporting. Best supporting oh, best. actress. Yes, yeah. All right. All right. Which is a really weak category. Yeah, this year. I know. Tell me where. What do you think? Oh, well, I would. The nomination I would love to see is Kathy Bates for uh, "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." Oh, wow. I'm not sure she's going to pick up a nomination, but boy, is she deserving. Oh, all right. I've got to look through. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Right. And I do have best. 
performance by an actor in a supporting role. Okay. In, in any uh, motion picture. Actor? Yes, on actor. That, on that one, I'm going to go with Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Has Willem Dafoe, has he gotten awards? You know, I don't honestly I don't know. know that I, either. I don't think I'd he like has picked up throw, an Oscar. Throw it Robert De Niro, forget it. You've had too many. Yeah, and, and his character is a caricature. Right, right, right. This poor things, Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. And he has been nominated numerous times. Mm-hmm. Never gotten He's a wonderful actor. He's one of our best actors in motion pictures. We'll see if he can get past Ryan Gosling, because Ryan has had the momentum ever since Midsummer. I, don't, I mean, this is going to be a contested category this year. The best supporting actor is going to be a hard-fought category. Okay, so our, our, our listener who stayed with us the whole time mm-hmm. is complaining now to the producer that we're talking all about these high-class movies. Could we please talk about movies that were so bad they were bad? Oh, there was a clear, to me, there was a clear worst film of the year. And I always kind of watch for this. But when I say a worst film of the year, I'm not talking about a poorly made film. Or a, a film that didn't get good reviews. I'm talking about a film that just plain should not have even been made. <laughs> and I have one. I want to hear it. Yeah, and this movie, it went straight to streaming. It did not get released oh, theatrically well, in Columbus. Ken. Cat Person. And it stars the actress from CODA. That the one best oh, yeah. picture a right. couple of years ago. Yeah, right. This is her return to quick. the big screen. And she was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Well, her return to the big screen is in the worst movie of the year. Cat Person is based on a 17-page short story that appeared in the New Yorker about oh four or five years ago, and caused an enormous amount of attention. It became a rallying cry for the Me Too movement. The story itself is about a first date that goes very very badly. And to me, when I'm reading the story, it seems like the story had an agenda. Well, somebody decided, let's take this 17-page story and turn it into a movie. And to make matters worse, because the short story was only about this one bad date, let's turn it into an action thriller. All right. There's no point to the story turning it into an action thriller. Let me have a chance here, will you? Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you what I think the worst Okay, go with your worst. Meg 2. Meg 2, oh, the shark movie. <laughs> With one of my favorite actors, Jason Statham. Yeah. And, and it is just a piece of... It's, it's actually worse than The Expendables. <laughs> you know something it is, because The Expendables, at least, have, you know, you can think about these old guys and, yeah. and chuckle to yourself. They're just picking so, up a paycheck. Right. But Statham thinks it's poorly written. It's stupid. It's just everything. But I've got another one, Miracle Club. I did not see that. I, it's a good thing you didn't. Oh, my god. Because gosh. it's another one of these... The older ladies yeah. are in this, and they're pushing it always the way she Oh, is. my gosh. You know, yeah. Just- well, I'll throw another one at you then. There's a movie called <laughs> Foes, or Foe, that came out this year. F-A-F-O-E. F-O-E. Oh, Science foe. fiction film. Absolutely awful. Well, Ken, nobody would see these anyway. I mean, <laughs> well, Foe got a nationwide release. It played in Columbus for I'll two or three weeks. i a nationwide release that I thought was What junk. was that? Oh, I liked Flash. Oh, oh, I liked Flash, but I liked... You know what? Anytime you bring Michael Keaton back as Batman, I'm going to go see it. I don't care if he's on screen for 20 minutes. I'm going to go see it, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of his screen. Well, uh, let me give you another one with the older folks in it. That probably wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it still is bad. 80 for Brady? Okay, old ladies who want to see Tom Brady (laughs) and are madly in love with him. It was an opportunity to bring... Who who is in the cast there? Uh, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda (laughs) and two other actresses. Lily Tomlin. Yeah, so it's it's another one. They need a paycheck. Oh, why they do this to me? I'm not going to another one. Well, you know what? You're probably not the target market for that (laughs) that film. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I'll throw another one at you, though. Yeah. 65. Another science fiction movie, oh, Adam Driver. Yes. Oh, what a... T- well, first of all, you can tell from the poster how this movie is going to end. You don't even need to see the trailer. Uh, they think they're being clever, but everybody's already on to it. And just no reason to support this film I'm at having all. too much fun with this category. <laughs> you know one that we haven't even mentioned? What's that? Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear was just fun. Uh, and I just think that was just fun. such a stupid movie, but... Dumb movie. It, well, it, but it, I think it made a bit of money. There, there was, it did make a bit of money, <laughs> and I believe they're actually working on a sequel, Cocaine Bear 2. <laughs> Sometimes movies are designed to be just plain dumb fun. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had the 80s. <laughs> One that surprised me that did not turn out well for me, Napoleon. Napoleon has issues. It, it was great, except for the guy playing Napoleon. <laughs> And besides which, just so many battle scenes that were beautifully done. Yeah, the battle scenes were great. They actually did a pretty good job with getting the history right. The costumes are wonderful. I mean, I will be disappointed if it doesn't get nominated for Best Costumes. But, oh, Joaquin Phoenix is just... He's whiny and crying and miserable throughout the film. I I don't get that. Any leader responsible for... How many? Three million deaths. Three million deaths. Had to have more gumption than this guy. Oh, heavens yes. I mean, this is a role that you would have given to Mel Gibson, you know, a few years ago. This is not a role for somebody who's going to whine through the film. International films. Boy and the Heron is the first that comes to mind. Okay, so you're Miyazaki, really animation again. Yeah, Miyazaki, that. but... You keep wanting to pull these over, and <laughs> animation's over. Well, animation was strong this year. That's a strong I category. Know. I had hoped that Miyazaki was going to put up a better fight for the best animated film, but no. Boy and the Heron is a good film. It's not one of his best. And if there's a lock in any Oscar category this year, it's definitely going to be Spider-Man taking Best Oscar for Best Animated. <laughs> you are, honestly, God, I've got to have you on my campaign for me because you just are relentless. You well, would... now, here's why Spider-Man is the best film of the year. <laughs> Earlier this year, we had two Marvel films. We had Guardians of the Galaxy, terrible we had Ant-Man, even worse. And I was convinced that the superhero franchise was dead. Uh-huh. It was nothing but A-list actors being put into insipid scripts and <laughs> filled with CGI, and they might as well just kill the whole idea of, of superheroes for a decade and then revisit them. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, midsummer, we get what is probably the best superhero film ever made. The one superhero film that actually takes us back to the comic books. It makes you remember why you love those comics to begin with. I think I did mention the category we were supposed to be talking about was best foreign language film. Best foreign language film. And I think Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall French is film. a great film. Yes. It's worth watching to me just because you get to see this insight into the French justice you system. You are right. Yeah, right. Plus the, the recreation of the scene of the fall and so on is all yeah. so very interesting. It's no, it's a, a very well-written, uh, very well-crafted yeah, film. Yeah, uh, and then another one, an Asian, Past Lives. Very subtle, minimalist, beautifully acted, and with a little bit of a twist on it. There was a dark foreign film that came out of Finland this year called Fallen Leaves. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's... It's not for all tastes. It's about two people basically living on the edge of society 
in Helsinki. Both of them have issues. He's an alcoholic. He's bounced from job to job. She's also bouncing from job to job. It is not going to be a tourism uh, film for, for, for Finland. I will say that much. It portrays uh, Helsinki as practically a ghetto. But it is interesting to watch how these two characters come together, partially out of desperation and partially out of mutual attraction. We're going to end, or I'm going to end, by saying that there's an interesting movie out there that's going to be nominated. And I'm still thinking about it. It's called Zone of Interest. I haven't seen it yet. I know. and First of all, I'm a sucker for any Nazi movie. You give me any Nazi movie and I'm there. Just for the uniform. Is it playing in Columbus yet? I think it may have. I got a screener, that's why. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Talk about minimalist. The premise is almost like the boy in the striped pajamas. Mm-hmm. The compound next to yeah. the uh, ovens. The, 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 op- the German officers yes, and commandants compound where they're living opulently with silverware yeah. and, and just a life of ease right next to the death camp. Yeah. So with the juxtaposition of that alone is horrifying. Um, and how anybody can yeah. go through that. So it begins to vary different because in the uh, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, the it, mother, Vera Farmiga, mm-hmm. doesn't really know what's going on. How yeah. she could not know is the stretch of the imagination. But uh, in this one, they she all does know. know. They, she does know him. She very much likes the good life yeah. that they have. Anyway, K.G. Klein, it has been a wonderful year with you. I think we started out with... Last year with the Beatles Marathon. We did. And we ended it this year, of course. I don't know if it's an emblem of our year, but we couldn't get into that. Couldn't get into (laughs) it. Sold out at about 3.30, and there was no getting past the gate. So, uncharacteristically minimalist yourself, the year 2023. The year 2023 was a great film for big, long movies. (laughs) If you like a a three-and-a-half-hour movie, you had your choice. You had Oppenheimer. You had... Poor Things is running around two and a half. Uh, Napoleon, three hours. But all of these are worthwhile films that justify their long, long running times. Uh, Also, a good year for animation. Spider-Man, Boy and the Heron, some really, really good animation work this year. So it was a, you know, bad year for superhero movies other than Spider-Man. I'm full up to here. Yeah, and I am, my most anticipated movie in 2024 is Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. <laughs> but beyond that, the only thing that's on my radar right now is ISS, International Space Station movie, where they're up in the space oh, station yeah, when nuclear war countries. breaks out. Yeah, I'm not sure yet that this is going to be a good film, but the, so far the previews make it look pretty good. Well, that's it for Double Take. That's it for us for the year. And we love nothing better than starting out fresh on a new year. It's hard to see 12 months ahead, but we'll be going through all kinds of contortions. And you'll be telling me about movies that I think are junk. I'll be telling you about <laughs> ones that, they, that, say, that I've never heard of it. <laughs> but at least we'll be, it'll, be, it'll be a great year. I'm looking forward to it.